Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. How y'all living this morning? How about that roller coaster ride last night? How about that roller coaster ride this season? How about you being left for dead at six and six? How about you being a two seed right now? And how about the entire Josh Allen experience? Last night was the entire Bills season rolled into a single game. Like you had wild Josh and you had dominant Josh. You had a shaky, terrible half and then you had a scary, solid half. It seemed like things were ready to jump off the rails for a while and then all of a sudden a big-time, big-time special teams play and now you're sitting in the two-seed and looking once again like legit Super Bowl contenders. At least I think so, right? You never know what these guys. But what a ride that's been. And what a ride the season has been. And that ride's not over yet. An absolutely massive dub for Sean McDermott, who actually managed to finish a close game. Finally. An absolutely massive dub for the Bills, who now set themselves up for a home game against the Steelers on Sunday. By the same token, an absolutely massive L for the Dolphins. Now they have to go deal with the Chiefs at Frozen Arrowhead in order to save their season from going up in flames. I mean, seriously, the hell happened to Miami in the second half. The offensive juggernaut, led by the offensive genius with the NFL passing yards leader, in the second half last night, went punt, 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 pick in the second half. Miami ended up with two first downs in the second half. The offense did not just stall out. The offense flat out vanished. It disappeared. Which is why Dolphin fan is melting down on Mike McDaniel right now on social media. Seems like that McDaniel honeymoon in South Beach might have just ended. And they were coming for him last night hard on social But then again, it could be worse. It could be worse for Mike McDee. Number one, he has seen worse. He's already hit rock bottom and bounced all the way back and rebuilt himself. So it could be worse for Mike McDee. Or, or I'll tell you how it could be worse. He could be Nick Sirianni. That dude. I mean, was it not five minutes ago that that guy was coming out of KC talking all that junk? All that junk. You hear that sound, by the way, that beep, 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 beep. It's getting louder and louder. You know what that sound is? Beep, beep. Exactly. I'll be thank you. Beep, beep, beep. You know what that is? That's the sound of the Eagles backing into the playoffs or crawling in or falling in or tumbling backwards down a flight of stairs, in. And they're now almost that banged up, right? Like they collectively fell down a flight of stairs yesterday. I mean, essentially, that's what happened to Philadelphia in the Meadowlands. That was another one of those get-right games where they got all wrong. They didn't just get humiliated by the Giants yesterday. They got beat the hell up. A.J. Brown went down. Jalen Hurts put his middle finger on backwards. I don't think that finger's supposed to look like that or bend that way. It all seems oddly poetic, doesn't it? 
because it's like this team has been giving itself the finger for weeks now. It couldn't have gone any worse for Philadelphia. And I'm not just talking about yesterday. Basically, the last six weeks, this team was 10-1 at one point, which is why it's hard to believe that Coach Rock, Paper, Scissors, hard to believe when he says, you know what, we know what we're made of. We can bounce back. That's what we do. None of us are quitters. We all get up off the mat when we're down, and we get up, and we keep going. Like, I don't, like... When you're when you get hit in life, when you get hit in football, you got two options. You can stay down or you can get you can get the F up. And I know this group is fighters. I know this group will get up. I know that we've all been through things in our life that is that's that we've had all had to deal with and we know how to get up. Let me tell you something, dude. You sound as confused right now and as unbelievable as you did when you first showed up and said less thinking equals talent takeover. Less thinking equals talent takeover. That's what you sound like, Nick, right now. You see, Nick, here's the thing. If you knew how to get up, then wouldn't you have gotten up already? This whole thing about we know, we know, we know what to do, we know how to get up. Yeah, but you've been saying that for weeks, Nick. Weeks. If you knew how to get up, wouldn't you have gotten up already? It's not like you guys haven't been down there on the mat napping it out for weeks, right? So if you're such experts at picking yourselves up, why didn't you do it weeks ago? Instead of punch, getting punched in the face in all these alleged get-right games. See, that's the thing. They had all these easy setups right in front of them and still couldn't take advantage. See, I'm not sure I've ever seen a collapse quite like this before. A contending team off a Super Bowl appearance that just had the bottom fall out completely. It's hard to understand, and it's hard to understand why they wouldn't stop the bleeding if they could stop the bleeding, if that's how they're built, if that's what they're made of, if that's what they do. Or maybe, if you want another theory, and this one, by the way, is even worse, but if you want another theory, there's the Dallas Goddard theory. The theory that the team has just been bored waiting for the playoffs to begin. We had a long season last year, and I just I just know everybody in this in this locker room is ready to ready to uh, you know go to work uh, for the playoffs, and you know uh, ever since what was it four or five weeks ago when we uh, clinched the playoffs, um, you know I think everybody's just been waiting for the playoffs. So um, not something that uh, you know is a great thing, but I think everybody's going to be ready to go, and I think we're going to um, you know show the world what we're capable of. <laughs> if that works for you, big dude. Good player, bad take. Good player, bad take. Check that. Good player, terrible take. I could point to any number of reasons as to why the Eagles have taken an all-time collective dump in their pants. But being disinterested because they clinched early, and by the way, clinched what early? Not the division, not the home field. I mean, come on with that. Being disinterested and just waiting around for the playoffs to begin so they could throw the switch is not one of those reasons as to why they are where they are right now. I could give you 10 reasons why I think they are where they are right now, but that's not one of them. I mean, what? You're you're so good and so above it that you're just going to throw a switch. Or you're saving your good stuff 
because you don't want anybody to see it. Like, like I'm sure that Matthew Ticonderoga has been keeping all the good blitzes in his back pocket for the postseason. Don't want to show them anybody right now or show it to them right now. Yeah, sure he hasn't. I got news for you, Dallas. If you got to Tampa and you go there and you lose, and from the looks of things, that's a very real possibility. You might be looking at a new head coach as well. No joke. Look at Philadelphia. Look at how they've handled things in the past. Look at who they've run off in the past. Your dude Sirianni has gone from alleged genius to not having a single answer in a matter of weeks. And this is with all sorts of great leadership in that locker room player-wise. Come to find out, maybe it wasn't Coach Rock, Paper, Scissors, who was so responsible for them getting to the Super Bowl, but rather the two coordinators that he lost, who, by the way, are looking pretty nice right about now. Nicer than Sirianni. And yes, I would include Jonathan shot out of a cannon cannon in that statement too. Hell yes, Philadelphia backed into the playoffs. And don't tell me it doesn't matter how you get in only that you get in. The hell it doesn't matter. Of course it matters. It matters how well you're playing when the postseason begins and the Eagles have been playing like ass for weeks and they can't figure it out and just got hammered by the Giants who've had nothing to play for for weeks. So Philly's got a real problem and it would not surprise me at all Even as much as Tampa had to struggle to beat Carolina to win the division, it would not surprise me at all if Philly went in there and went one and done. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL playoffs, is bringing you an offer that will help make the playoffs electrifying. New customers can bet 5 bucks on any game and get 200 instantly. How do you like that? All you have to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use my code ROME, R-O-M-E. New customers can bet just 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, you do have to use my code ROME, R-O-M-E. The crown is yours, and you do have to be present in a state where it's lawful to wager. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hell yes, they backed in. Now, nobody can say that about the Lions. Nobody can say the Lions backed in. The problem is, they didn't really need that game yesterday. And in order to get that essentially meaningless game yesterday, Detroit risked injury to some of their key starters. And then, of course, one of those key guys went down. Turns out that, quote, controlled fury that Dan Cannibal was talking about backfired on him because it probably lost him his breakout rookie tight end, Sam Laporta. But I guess it's not as bad as it looked, not according to Dan, which is good because it looked pretty freaking bad.
The best way I can put it is um, it's, it's probably, it's not as bad as it looked, but it's not good news. You know, so it's kind of in this, I'm, we'll know more tomorrow, but I know it looked awful. It's not as bad as that. So which is it? What is it? It's not as bad as it looked, but it's not good. But it's not good news. My man, I know you're a different dude. I know that you could get hit by an 18-wheeler and get dragged and still be out there on the field as a player. I know you did things like that. I know you changed the entire culture of that franchise. But this is not good, all right? This is not good. It's not good because it did look really bad. And not just for Sam, but even for you, Coach. In fact, mostly for you, Coach. Do you know how hard it is to win 12 games with the Detroit Lions and come away from the final week not looking great? I would have said that's impossible, but Campbell somehow managed it. And now he better be ready to beat Matthew Stafford because losing to that dude would be the most devastating end ever to the Lions season. You want to see a 12-win Lions coach go from looking bad to looking even worse. Then watch what happens if Detroit cannot beat Stafford this week. The Stafford Bowl. Pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. That is pretty awesome. Not as bad as it looked. But not good. It's not good news. No, it's not, dude. You just lost your star young tight end, who you need. So that's not good news. It's not good news. Now, the Stafford Bowl is awesome. But you know what might be even better? The Packers at Cowboys Sunday, thanks to a massive win for Green Bay and a massive win for Jordan Love. I'm going to hold on to that thought, and I want to get to that. Like I said, so many really good things. Really good things. So, quick question. Why is Old Trapper Beef Jerky so amazing? Let's start with the fact that it is a family-run business. A family business which stands by quality and produces the world's best beef jerky. Now, I've made this point many, many times, and I want to make it again right now. Beef jerky is not just beef jerky. I think some of you go to the store, and you reach for the beef jerky, and you think it's all the same. In fact, you might not even know what you're buying. That's a big mistake. Stop making that mistake. All beef jerky is not the same. In fact, there's nothing like Old Trapper. It is simply the best. Four mouth-watering flavors, so you can get your choice of whatever you want. Myself, I like them all the same. I bounce back and forth between each and every one of them. So you can do the same thing. They come in four-ounce bags. If you need to learn, do it that way. If you already know what you want, go with the 18-ouncer. That way there's enough for everybody. The entire unit, the entire family, the entire team. If you do not see it, ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares Old Trapper, what is your beef? We are joined by Jason McCourty. Jason, great to have you on, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, Appreciate you having me as well. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. Thanks so much. I mean, we could start in so many different places, but why don't we start with today's coaching news, which NFL Network's been all over. What is your reaction to what's happened so far on Black Monday? I was kind of, I don't want to say as expected, but you watched Arthur Smith the last two weeks, the loss to the Bears, and then obviously the tough one to the New Orleans Saints where they're in the game halftime. I remember texting my brother. I'm like, right, Desmond Ritter's playing out of his mind. And next thing you know, Alante Taylor intercepts the ball and it all kind of starts to go south. 
uh, for the Atlanta Falcons. So Arthur Smith has let go. Then Ron Rivera with the commanders over the last few weeks, there's been a lot of buzz about that of uh, Rivera not probably going to be kept on there. And then obviously we watched Bill Belichick's end of the year press. There's still a lot of questions around what his future is going to be there. This is always a tough day in the NFL because you're fired up as a super wild card weekend schedule comes out, all the different games, the teams that have made the playoffs. And on the other end of it, you have the teams that are letting go of coaches in. Obviously, the guys that are being let go didn't have a ton of success this season or maybe it's the past few seasons, but you know the impact that has on the coaches, their families, and the whole nine, an amount of effort, energy, and work that gets put into that job on a daily basis. So always tough to see people fired, but you know this is something that is constant with the NFL. Change is always going to happen. Well said, Jason. I'm with you. I take no pleasure in that. That's not a good thing. That's not a positive thing, but it is a ruthless business, and it is a business, and it's a results-oriented business. You mentioned Bill Belichick. I mean, how do you think that plays out? There was one report that he might be willing to cede control of personnel or a certain amount of personnel in order to stay in New England. Do you think he's got any shot to stay there, and how do you think that plays out? Yeah, I saw that. He said he's willing to do whatever is best for the team. And I don't know. Bill's been there almost 25 years. And for so long, we've seen him have control of the roster, of who comes, who goes, the whole nine, to go backwards now. Maybe, like, what general manager are you going to pair him with that now they're sitting there in the draft room and Bill wants one thing and the other guy wants another thing? How do they decide? So there's so much that goes into it. I think with everything that's happened this season, the last few seasons, I do think Bill moves on to a different organization. I'm interested to see if Gerard nails the next guy in line. I felt like he's kind of been groomed to take over that role. It'll be really interesting to see what the Crafts do. Bill alluded to it several times at some point, probably in the coming days, week, he's going to have a meeting with Robert Kraft and they're going to sit down and talk about the direction to the, of the team and the whole nine. And he said he's under contract. He's going to continue to act the same. Just such different territory as we watched that game yesterday. The snow's falling, the whole nine. They're losing to the Jets, and here we are day after, and we're questioning the future of Bill Belichick as a New England Patriots head coach. It is crazy times, but you look at the lack of success they've had, the roster that's been built there. you got to imagine at this point, I think that the crowd's going another direction. I think it's more interesting to see kind of who comes in next. And then Bill, I mean, does he go TV? Does he continue coaching? If so, where is it? Is there a team that's fired up to get a guy like Bill there who knows how to build a culture in the whole nine? So fascinating times when it comes to Belichick and the Patriots right now. Jason, according to my guest, Jason, you just touched on something I was going to say. Like, I understand that most great athletes, most, in fact, most athletes, period, do not get to go out on their own terms. And so many great Patriots did not get to leave there on their own terms because Bill was always about that life, you know, about that better to get rid of them a little too soon than a little too late. Who would have ever thought that it would happen to him? If I'd said to you a few years ago that you and I would be having this conversation right now about the GOAT, what would you have said? I would not have believed it. And it's funny you say that, that you don't always leave on your own terms. You think about, I was there on the field for Brady's last game as a Patriot. We were playing the Tennessee Titans in a wild card game. Logan Ryan gets a pick six, and that's kind of the end of the Brady era in New England. Now, of course, Brady goes on to Tampa and wins the Super Bowl, but you're watching that game yesterday, and Brees Hall is still running right now as the Patriots fall to the New York Jets, a team that they had beat 15 straight times. So you don't always get the storybook ending, and I never would have thought that, but at the same time, you think about it, 
everyone has to come to an end. Like as great as a coach Bill Belichick was, at some point you knew that he was no longer going to be a Patriots head coach. But much like Brady, you would have hoped and maybe assumed or guessed that it would probably be because he's retiring and he's leaving the game. Judy Batista asked him at his presser after the game about his desire to still coach. And he talked about how he still loves game plan, how he still loves being in the fight and coaching guys and getting them better. So I don't think he walks away. Uh, I think he still enjoys that part of it. And the guy just absolutely loves football. One of the absolute best coaches I've ever been around. So knowledgeable at every facet of the game, loves the history of the whole nine. And has been a tremendous leader throughout. So I do think Bill goes and helps another organization. I don't think he's going to still be in New England. Jason McCourty joining us. So I could talk to you about any of the teams that are still in it. And yet, the one thing I want to ask you about is Jameis Winston. Jason, I, I, I can't stop watching it. I can't stop watching his post his postgame comments. I'm still amazed by that entire thing. What do you make of him being sent out in victory formation to knee it out and then overruling, overruling the coach and saying, I'm going to get my guy? And to, to be fair, he said, I didn't go rogue. The entire team made the decision. Just that whole scene. What is your reaction, and what do you think about that? Jameis is going down as a New Orleans legend probably after this. And now he keeps saying the no, whole No, dude, team. a life it's legend. I'm sorry, I'm so sorry to interrupt. A life legend. <laughs> a human legend. A legend of the universe. All right? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. That, that is a way better way to describe it. But it was the decision of 11 guys. The, the guys that were out there on the field because guys on defense, like it wasn't the entire team. But my only issue was that they were in victory. Had they just lined up in a normal play, just run it out. That was Calais Campbell on the defensive end for the for the Atlanta Falcons. He was like, like come on, don't trick us. If you're going to do that, line up in a regular play. From James's perspective, listen, like I – Everything points to, like, this is disrespectful, take a knee, the coach says it. James is like, the hell with that. My guy hasn't scored a touchdown this year. I could care less about the Falcons' feelings. I want to get my guy a touchdown. Season's over. We're not going to the playoffs. This is something that we want to hang our hat on, so we're doing it. We've decided it as a group. Now, if I'm Dennis Allen, on the other hand, it's just like, yo, I called victory formation, and you just blatantly went out there after I told you guys no and decided to do your own play. So that's a bigger question. But from the Jameis perspective, I don't have a problem with it. I get it, the disrespect, the this, that, and the third. When you're out there on the field and you're with a team and you go through adversity, ups, downs, different, you that's what you care about. You care about your group. And I think the guys in the locker room – this is who Jameis is. He brings that type of energy, a glue-type guy, because he probably keeps people laughing, keeps them on their toes. And like you said, him talking about it in the locker room, his facial expressions, he's like, we got an interception. What if we were scored on an interception? So all of the Jameis experience, I think, is fascinating. It's so fun to watch. And I think the guys within that locker room really love and respect Jameis. <laughs> Jason, I mean, you and I could talk about this for hours. It's so amazing. I'm glad you brought up the facial expressions were amazing. Like, you have to see it. It's one thing to hear it, but to see it's even better. But, Jason, one more thought about that. How incredible is it that Jameis tried to argue that, hey, if we had scored on that pick, nobody would have said anything. What's the difference? Well, my guy, and again, I love that he did it on a certain level. My guy, the difference is you went in victory formation and you faked it and then you punched it in. Him asking what is the difference is so great, isn't it? Huge difference. And that's why Arthur Smith was so fired up, which you know, 
if I was Arthur, I'd have been pissed too. So I was all for Arthur meeting Dennis Allen. I mean, that whole scene of him walking in, Dennis Allen walking in, you can break that down. The DB coaches behind Arthur Smith, Steve Jackson, he had choice words for Dennis Allen as he walked by. Then the Saints special teams quarter, Darren Rizzi, he walks in, he's chasing after Arthur. So uh, for a season to end and then for it to end like that, it was almost comedy to a certain extent of you're watching like almost a wrestling thing of the disrespect and you're handling in that midfield. Jameis is Jameis. We all know that experience. We've watched it for years now. So I don't. you kind of expect that coming from Jameis Winston. I don't know if there's any other person in the NFL that would have done that. Had Derek Carr been in, he definitely would have taken a knee. So I think that's a fascinating thing when you're in the Jameis Winston experience. Yeah, that's so great you said that. We had that exact conversation before the program. I'm like, nobody, 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 nobody does that but Jameis. And I know Derek Carr would not do that. Jason McCourty joining us. I'm so glad you broke that down for me. Hey, before you go, what about the Bills? Like that Bills comeback win last night in Miami felt like sort of a microcosm of their entire year, right? They found a way to win their four straight AFC Eastern Division title. Josh Allen accounted for over 400 yards, but there were turnovers. We're talking about a team, Jason, that was 6-6, six and six, and they played their way all the way into a 6 or a 2 seed. What's your read then on the Bills? Who are they? Do you expect them to make another deep run, or could they flame out early? What's going to happen with these guys? They're winning football games right now. That's five straight wins for them. You just said it. They were the 11th seed at one point. We're like, they have a 14% chance to make the playoffs. They won the division. They're the number two seed. They're hosting a playoff game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So the run that they've gone on, you can't discredit that. They're finding ways to win games. But I also don't think you can just sit there and say, like, they're playing lights out football. I don't think it's been that. I think, like you just said, the Josh Allen experience, it is what it is at this point. He's going to turn the ball over, but then he's going to make runs late in the game like he did to kind of help secure the victory of breaking tackles and those plays that we love to watch from him. The defense, that what I, that's what I took away from that game against the Miami Dolphins where in that second half, the Dolphins didn't have a possession that was more than four plays. So as much as we talk about Josh Allen, this, that, and the third, it was the defense that stepped up. And Sean McDermott, you think about a few weeks ago, we were talking about what he said to his team, and there was articles being written about the downfall of McDermott and the Bills, and you starting to question whether he was going to be there in the future. They haven't lost a game since then. So you talk about their ability to – the resiliency and ability to get through that adversity and be able to come out on top. You can't discredit this Buffalo Bills team. And I think for the teams left in the playoffs, like you don't want to play this Bills team because we look at the Bills who have gotten hot and they've just continued to win games since that loss to Philly. And then you look on the other side where Philly, you're going into the playoffs darn near limping because you just continue to lose games to opponents that you're supposed to be. So this is a, a hot Bills team that are finding ways to win five straight games hey, to finish the season. You've been awesome. Because you mentioned Philadelphia, let me get a quick thought before I let you go. What about them? They were 10-1. and one. They were 10-1, and one, and Nick Sirianni was talking all that junk, especially after the KC game. They get blown out by the Giants yesterday, and Nick keeps talking about, hey, this is the way we're built. We know how to get up. It seems to me if they knew how to get up, they would have gotten up already. What happened to them exactly? It's so hard to point your finger on because there hasn't been like that catastrophic injury like Jalen Hurts went down and this is where it all went wrong. Now they're dealing with a ton of injuries, but I think things are so bleak in Philly right now that they're pointing to like, all right, D big Dom DeSandro, security guy. Remember, he was removed from the sideline during the 49ers game, hasn't been back on the sideline. They're like, all right, Dom's back, going to be back on the sideline. That's the mojo that we're missing because they can't point their fingers to the exact one thing that's gone wrong in Philly. The guys 
The guys are out there. They're just not finding ways to win games. You knew it was a panic situation when Sean Desai was removed from the defensive coordinator. Matt Patricia was elevated. For Matt Patricia, a tough position because this isn't the defense he installed. This is not the terminology that he's used to using. Uh, Matt Patricia is more of a man-to-man type of guy. When he was in New England, they had good defenses. Now he's forced to run this, which isn't his. So you're trying to figure that side of it out. The defense has been terrible down to stretch of the season for them. Offensively, they can't get anything going. You look at the past two weeks. The Eagles have lost to the Arizona Cardinals, who have a top five pick, and the Giants, who I think picked six in it. They, those two teams have combined for 10 wins. Philly had 10 wins in 11 weeks of the season. So Philly right now is playing like one of the worst teams in the NFL when you look at those games because they didn't play well against the Giants when they got the victory on Christmas Day. So this is a team that is absolutely struggling, who is now forced with injuries as well to try to come up with a game, a win in the playoffs on the road in Tampa Bay. Team that's not playing red hot either, but it's hard to look at this Philly team and say, you know what? I think they're going to turn around once the playoffs hit because for the last several weeks, they haven't been able to do so. Right, but they do have Dom back, so that's what matters. Jason McCourty joining us, covering all sorts of ground. My man is everywhere. Jason, such a great job by you. I really appreciate you joining us on a Monday, especially coming off a weekend like that and a really busy week ahead. Jason, thank you very much. Great job. Anytime. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Need a little help? O'Reilly Auto Parts can help. Need advice? We've got advice. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Exceptional customer service. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. I've got to get to arguably the best thing ever. The best thing ever happened yesterday, and if it were almost any other day of the year, I could have spent the entire open on this show. Hell, I could have spent the entire show on this topic alone. Because what we got yesterday was peak Jameis. Now, you know I love Jameis. Most people do love Jameis. But there's Jameis, then there's next level Jameis, but then there's peak Jameis. And... I wasn't exactly sure what peak Jameis might look and feel like. Now I know. Again, this is a big Jameis house. We're fans of Jameis around here because Jameis might be the single most entertaining dude in the NFL. He's the Saints' backup, but he's number one on the depth chart when it comes to team content. And despite what he's done in the past, he has never provided content like this. I have never heard of a dude overruling his head coach on a kneel down to end a game, to end a season. Certainly not at that level. But I'm not even a little surprised that Jameis was the dude to do so. And while I'm not even a little surprised, I am a lot thankful. Because again, this is the greatest thing ever. In case you missed it, and if you're watching me or listening to me, you're a sports fan, and there's no way you could have. But in case you did, Saints head coach Dennis Allen sends his dudes out in victory formation because it was an absolute beatdown. The game is over. He sends Jameis out there to knee it out, to kneel down. Jameis is like, nah, brah. Nice try with that, coach. Cute play call. We're going to do something else. Instead 
of a kneel down. We're going to fake the knee out and hand off for a tutty. And it was absolutely incredible. It made Jair Alexander naming himself a captain and then calling the coin toss and then almost messing up the coin toss seem like child's play. And before you all run up in here and pile on Arthur Smith for getting upset about this stunt, he had every right to be upset about that stunt. Number one, he's angry Arthur Smith. So if he's angry anyway, and Art, you know I love you. I mean that as a compliment. If he's angry anyway, can you imagine how angry he was at that? This is not your typical, if you don't like it, then stop it situation. The Saints came out in victory formation. Falcons players reportedly were even asking the Saints before the play, are you going to knee it out? They were asking them. But apparently they didn't answer. And then they fake kneeled with the game and the season already over. Not only did Art Smith have a right to be pissed off, I'm so freaking glad that he got so pissed off because it led to this absolutely incredible exchange at midfield with Dennis Allen, one of the all-time midfield post-game coaching exchanges. And an amazing job by CBS for capturing the best part of the exchange so clearly. Listen to this. He is hot. He said, what are you doing? And he's going at Dennis Allen. You can read his lips. Oh, no, you don't need to read his lips. You don't need to be a professional lip reader. You don't need to read his lips. You could hear his lips. Art said, quote, that's effing BS. That's what he said. But that might not be the best part. The best part might be Dennis Allen agreeing. Dennis Allen has heard, you can hear him saying, I understand that. You can read his lips. Dennis Allen said it. I understand that. Dennis was like, right? Or it's like, that's effing BS. And Dennis is like, right? You can read his lips. Allen was like, dude, I'm just as angry about this as you are. Allen all but said, that is effing BS, Art. You're right. And now I'm about to go tell the same exact thing to Jameis. So I totally understand why both coaches were angry. But that doesn't mean that that wasn't the greatest thing ever. And that doesn't mean that that wasn't Jameis's most Jameis moment ever. And believe me, that's really saying something. Again, Dennis Allen sent this guy out. Sent him out to the field to knee it out. And instead, Jameis gets into the huddle. And it's like, he didn't say this, but the vibe's like, hey man, bleep coach. What do y'all want to do here? I don't give a damn what Coach or Coach Pete What's-His-Face want. What do you want? Show of hands, who wants to score? Show of hands, who wants to? Okay, first raise your hands if you want to do the boring, lame, respectful, kneel-down thing. Yeah, I didn't think so. All right, show of hands right now. Who wants to do a fake kneel handoff for a touchdown? Or who wants to get Jimmy Graham a score? Who wants to get Jamal a score or Jimmy Graham a score? Show of hands. Yeah, that's what I thought. All right. I'm QB1. Well, QB2. Well, QB3 in a way. Anyway, my call. We're going to run the fake kneel on one 
and give it to Jamal. Ready? Break. That might be the funniest part of all. Jameis explaining that it wasn't just him going rogue. It was the entire team going rogue. It was an entire team decision to overrule the head coach. Yeah, at least that didn't undermine him. At least they don't disrespect him. Jameis explained it then after the game in one of the greatest post-game explanations I have ever heard. I can't play it all right now, but I just want to give you a taste. I want to give you a taste because it's absolutely incredible. Of course, everybody couldn't wait to ask Jameis, dude, (laughs) exactly what went down there? Because only Jameis could do something like that. So it kind of started like this. Well, I apologize to DA because the play was was victory. Yeah. Uh, but I also explained to DA that it was a team decision. Yeah. And uh, and I think when you have the a team morale, and I ask the guys, I say, guys, like, what do you, what do you want to do? Yeah. We know how much Jamal means to this team, and and Let me I stop right there. From Let me stop right there. I apologize to I, DA. I, I he said, I apologize to DA. I apologize to DA. Yeah, I apologize to DA for absolutely nothing. Take this chance to apologize. This guy's in the huddle like, all right, guys, we know what coach wants. Anyway, like I I understand DA's perspective, and DA didn't condone this at all. However, we don't give a damn what the head coach wants. It's about the team. And listen, to be fair, doesn't every head coach who comes on this show or any other show always say the best teams are player-led teams? Well, he's got one. And these players wanted the tutty. Jameis is like, man, I got so much respect for Arthur Smith. I really respect Arthur Smith. Just not enough to avoid dunking all over him one more time and, in effect, ending him. To the one yard line. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. so if, 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 if we were to score, would it still would have been disrespectful? Right. You know, so. Uh, Tyron wasn't in on it, was he? No, Tyron was not, not in on it. Let me stop right there. How about that logic? Like, like, we got a pick, we got to the one, but if we had scored right there, would anybody have said that that was disrespectful? I mean, Jameis literally is asking the question if you house a pick six, how is that any different than a sending the team out in victory formation and faking a kneel down and punching it in? Come on, guys. How is that any different? What do you all not understand about this? Like, he's got this vibe of, am I the only one here that understands? What do you not understand about this? How is that any different? One of my favorite Jameis moments ever. How is a pick six different, everybody? Then faking a kneel down and punching it in. He literally asked that question, which is one of my favorite Jameis moments ever, ever. Another great part is, and we'll get into it, he's like, if you disagree with it, you disagree with the whole team, all right? Not just me. Don't keep coming at me. You need to come at everybody with this. I mean, I. not only do I know I could have, I wish I did. Three hours on this one event and the three-minute soundbite. Jason McCourty will join me when we come back. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved for only a few. 
Well, Discover wants to change that by making everybody feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service, as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. Stuart Mandel is my guest. Stuart, great to have you on. Thanks so much. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me on. It's good to have you on. So the matchup, Stuart, guarantees for the first time since 2014 that we're not going to have an SEC team or Clemson as the national champ. Does it seem fitting after all the major conference changes that we've seen in recent years and the new college football landscape that that, in fact, is going to be how it is? It's a, it's just an incredible uh, uh, you know, timing to have this particular matchup this year and the last year of the four-team CFP. Because who knows, once we get to 12 teams, I mean, the SEC has dominated this sport for so long that even though it'll be open to everybody, we may well have years where, I don't know, three of the four semifinal teams are from the SEC or you get a a Georgia-Alabama championship game. Um, You know, now the the irony is the Pac-12 has gotten so much flack for missing the playoffs so many years in a row to the point that the conference ended up breaking up. And here you have Washington. Um, playing for national championships. So two teams that have not won a national title since um, since we've had an official championship game starting in 98, I think it's really refreshing for college football and um, perhaps, you know, a nice um, – Uh, kickoff to what's going to be a much different sport uh, coming this fall. I think you're right. It's a really interesting matchup. So why don't we talk about that? Michigan's defense set a college football playoff record with seven sacks of Alabama quarterback Jalen Milrow holding the tide to under 290 yards of total offense in the Rose Bowl. They were dominant. Do you expect the Wolverines front seven to be as effective against UW's top ranked passing offense? Yeah, I mean, that's the matchup I'm most interested in. Um, to this point in the season, Washington has had about the best pass protection you could possibly have. They've allowed, I believe, the fourth fewest sacks in the, in the country while attempting the most passes. Uh, they just, that offensive line does an amazing job protecting him. And, and Alabama's offensive line, you know, on the other hand, had struggled in pass protection most of the season. It had gotten better later in the year. So I feel like Michigan exploited a particular weakness in Alabama. I think it's going to be much tougher to get pressure on Michael Penix. I mean, before transferring to Washington, right, Penix faced Michigan when he played for Indiana. And even back then, he threw for 342 yards and three touchdowns, and that was in 2020. So what about the matchup tonight between the Huskies receivers and the Michigan secondary as Penix looks to put up even bigger numbers? Yeah, so that is also an amazing matchup because, you know, I've said this uh, most of the season, but especially this past week, the the – uh, Wash Penix and his receivers, those three receivers who will all be, I'm sure, high NFL draft picks, feel a lot like the 2019 LSU, you know, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson. I'm not predicting that, you know, these this group will have that kind of NFL success. I'm not an NFL draft evaluator. But in terms of the swagger, the ultimate confidence you saw in the Texas game, Penix will throw into traffic. He'll throw into really tight spaces. And he knows his guys are going to go up and get it now. This will absolutely be the best secondary he's faced. Uh, Michigan's got great players across the board back there. And so even if they can't get pressure on Penix, or as much as they certainly did against Alabama, will Washington's receivers be able to make as many of those, you know, what we would normally consider 50-50 catches that I feel like Washington converts at like a 70-30 range? 
uh, that's going to be a lot tougher against Michigan. Interesting. Stuart Mandela joining us. So Washington star running back Dylan Johnson went down with that foot injury in the final minutes of the Sugar Bowl. Johnson will play tonight, but acknowledge this weekend that he's not 100% because he's also dealing with a knee injury. How does his status impact the Dogs' offensive game plan? I think it. Um, I think it's essential that he be, you know, about as healthy as he can be. I know he's been playing through a lot of pain in the back half of the season. If you look at Washington's season, it started out very pass-heavy. And then they figured out, they, they started to get Dylan Johnson in the groove a little bit. And one of the things that has done for them is they can control the pace a little bit more. Um, you know, I think there's an assumption that if you pass a lot like Washington does, that you're just kind of operating at a breakneck speed, and they don't necessarily do that. They'll take the foot off the gas um, as needed. And so, I don't know, obviously in a game like this, that would be – Helpful. If he can't, I'll just say right now, if he can't go or go be as effective as he can, I can't see them winning because Michigan will just go all out uh, against Penix. That is strong. Stuart Mandel joining us. Stuart, what about Washington's defense? It's given up over 24 points a game this season. Texas put 31 on them last Monday as their comeback fell just short. How do you see the Husky defense holding up against Blake Corum and the Michigan ground game? It's been a very um, bend but don't break defense all season. Uh, it reminds me a little – I mean, frankly, what they remind me of is the 2010 Auburn team where that they did not have a good defense. No, sorry, they did not have a great defense. It was enough to get by, but they had Cam Newton. And Cam Newton could overcome, you know, anything. And Penix has a lot of that kind of feel to him. So I don't think it's realistic that they're going to come out and shut down Michigan by any means. We know that Michigan's going to try to run the ball um, over and over again. It's going to be a real test. I think Washington's – defensive front will have to play probably their best game of the season. All right, so what do you make of Jim Harbaugh saying that J.J. McCarthy was the greatest quarterback in the history of Michigan football? I mean, he's got a great resume, right? He's gone 26-1 and as a starter the last two years. What's your reaction to that, and then what kind of a role do you expect McCarthy to play tonight? Yeah, I mean, I think if he's referring to wins and losses, right, it's hard to argue with that. I mean, as, as many great quarterbacks as they had and put into the NFL, most notably Tom Brady, uh, I don't believe any of them went through their career at Michigan with only one loss, which, you know, if he wins the national championship, that'll be the case. It's always been hard for me to assess J.J. Uh, McCarthy because he's not asked to throw the ball 30, 35 times a game. His stats are never going to be, um, you know, off the charts by any means. But when they were down seven in the uh, last five minutes of the Rose Bowl for a spot in the national championship, he led them to a touchdown. Um, I think back to the Ohio State game last year, when Blake Corum couldn't go, like took, I think, you know, played on the first series and it was clear he wasn't going to be able to go the rest of the game. And McCarthy beat them on the deep ball several times. So that's been kind of the story of his career. He rises up when he needs to. And I think if he goes out and has even a decent game tonight and leads them to the national championship, you know, Harbaugh's uh, claim will be absolutely correct. Stuart Mandel is joining us. Lots of different thoughts. Stuart, what about tonight? Win or lose tonight, what do you think that Jim Harbaugh's coaching future looks like? I think he's you know, not hiding at all from the fact that he's going to try to get an NFL job. Now he is, and he has tried to do it. You know, one of the interesting things to me this year is, is Michigan went to the mat for him you know, against the Big Ten and against the NCAA. I just kept thinking, it's amazing. I get it. They're going for a national championship that they are so loyal to a guy who has shown really no loyalty to them. Right. He'd be at the Minnesota Vikings right now if they had offered him the job two years ago. Um, you know, he obviously tried to get the Broncos job last year. 
And I think this year, you know, he just hired an NFL agent. Um, he's going to go all out and try to get those jobs. And I just, you just don't, can't predict, right? Like, will they hire him? I'm sure they're going to interview him. Will they actually hire him? If, if one of those teams offers him the job, I think he'll go. Uh, he has said on the record in the past, like winning a Super Bowl is kind of his, his missing achievement. And especially if he wins tonight and is a national championship coach, like that truly is like the last frontier for him. So, you know, I'm kind of operating under the assumption he's not back next year. But, you know, I kind of operated under that assumption two years ago, too, when he went and interviewed with the Vikings on signing day in college football. But then it fell through. I agree with you. I'm kind of operating on the same assumption, and I think there are other opportunities right now. I think his stock is higher. So you did a great job of breaking this thing down from both sides. Which way are you leaning? Who do you like tonight? Yeah, it's a tough, tough call. Um, You know, Michigan has had that team of destiny kind of feeling all year, but I just, I can't pick against Michael Penix anymore. I just feel like he, like I made the Joe Burrow comparison earlier. He just, he strikes me as the quarterback who can do no wrong. And in a big game, we've seen this in the national championship over and over again. Usually the team that has the advantage of quarterback wins. So I know I'm in the minority, but I'm going with the Huskies. No, I, I see that argument. One last thought before you go. I think you're a voice of reason. If Michigan were to win this game, given what's ha- what's happened this year, what's transpired, the fact that Harbaugh has already been suspended twice, the NCAA hasn't even gotten to him yet, if Michigan does win, will there be a yeah, but in your mind or will it be tainted in any way? How will you see that national championship if they get it? Yeah, the way it worked out where he, it ended up getting unearthed when it did and they basically had a chance because of the way their schedule is structured. Okay, you caught us. Well, now we're going to go show you we're the best team in the country, regardless of whether that guy's doing that scouting stuff or not. And it's hard to, I mean, if they end the season having beaten Penn State, Ohio State, um, I'm not going to count Iowa as a challenge, uh, Alabama in the Rose Bowl, and then this Washington team, they earned it. Like, you can still be mad that they cheated. You can still, I'm sure people will compare them to the Astros, but they, in my mind, they will have earned it. You know, it's it's a fair point and ironic that they're playing that game in Houston, right, since people will compare them yeah. to the Astros. But that is all part of this whole theater of the thing. He's the college football editor-in-chief at The Athletic, co-host of The Audible with Stu and Bruce Podcast with Bruce Feldman. He is Stuart Mandel. Stuart, I know it's a really, really busy day for you. I so appreciate you making time to come on. Thanks so much. That was great. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. But, Head, I do need to check in with you and talk about what we've been talking about all morning long. Like, on the one, these are two of your favorite human beings ever <laughs> Jameis and Artie. Yeah. Break it down, dude. Like, what is one balancing out the other? I know you didn't take the firing of Arthur Smith well, but I know that Jameis is your favorite human being. Am I wrong? Yeah, no, you're not wrong. Uh, I'm annoyed by Arthur, but Jameis has cheered me up. I mean,. <laughs> All the people I love to talk about. Let me or stop have, right there. You're not annoyed by Arthur. You're annoyed that he got fired. I'm annoyed he got fired. I'm pissed off he got fired. It was a wrong decision without question. Um, he didn't draft Desmond Ritter. He didn't pass up on Justin Fields for Kyle Pitts. Terry did. So I'm pissed off about that. But on the Terry. other hand, Terry, 
Jameis uh, has cheered me up because of his incident. All Cheering. the people I love to talk about or have strong feelings about were involved. Angry Arthur Smith was angry. Jameis is my goat. He was in for emotional Derek. He overruled Dennis Allen, who I can't stand, and I had to overrule everything he did. And then he gave the ball to Jamal. It's the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> dude, it's so true, dude. Like I always say, there are like three people in the world you like and about three million that you hate, and they almost all of them were involved in that whole scenario. I, I couldn't ask for anything the better. I love him. Dude, the NFL scriptwriters wrote that for you. Yeah, amazing. It's like George Pappas, but Jameis has done stuff like this, and it, it just doesn't get any better. My favorite so part great. was, I think it should be forgotten when the score is 41 to 17. I don't know how much worse it can get. Well, it can, Jameis, if you score a touchdown. Especially when the score is already 41-17. Uh, so I, I don't know how, how much worse it can get. It can if you fake a victory formation <laughs> and a kneel down and you punch it in again. Is that so priceless that he doesn't see what's wrong with that or how that's different than scoring on an interception? The best. Absolute best. The entire three minutes, like you said is gold and his facial expressions are so freaking Jameis and it's why I love him I want to I, I don't have any jerseys I want one of Jameis Winston signed <laughs> he's my favorite okay, player so of you, all you time. just said something great like you have no jerseys but you want that one you know we've got a horse that apparently I was talking to Alex Solis my race manager we have a horse that's mm -hmm. going to run in six weeks that we didn't know whether or not he was going to make it to the track so oh. we need a name I'm not going to ask the clones because they're moronic about that. I want to name the horse Jameis Winston, but I don't know that DJ will like that very much. How about fact, famous Jameis? How about famous Jameis? Famous Jameis, dude. That's well, good. Oh. Wouldn't that be an amazing name for a horse? Dude, famous the clones Jameis. would love him. He'd have the biggest following in all of horse racing. Oh, no, all of a sudden, then the clones would like horse racing. They'd want to know, hey, Rome, did famous Jameis work this week? Hey, Rome, what's going on with famous Jameis? Or if he started doing wild stuff like Jameis, I, I, it could be awesome. I love it. It's not going to happen, I don't think, but I'll, uh, I'll see. I'll, I'll work love on my partner. Love to see it. Love to see it. All right, so here we go. The okay. matchup tonight, the Wolverines are looking to finish off their magical season of scandal ahead. Washington, explosive as hell, running on the rocket fuel of disrespect. Hate to be cliche, but styles make fights, which makes this brawl ultra interesting to me. Mm -hmm. The line's moved around a little bit. What is it right now? And I've got to know, Head, what are you doing with tonight's natty? I'm going to take the Washington Huskies and the five points we can get right now. Thought process being Michigan's defense has put up elite numbers, right? First in the country in scoring, first in the country in yards per game. Their passing defense has allowed seven passing touchdowns this season, which is the fewest in the nation. But, John Gruden, I specialize in identifying ass, Jim, and the offenses this Michigan defense has played, for the most part, have been ass. UNLV is the best offense they've faced statistically. Kyle McCord and Jalen Milrow are not Michael Penix Jr. throwing a football, and if he could bring that big Penix energy he had against Texas, i.e. not missing throws, I like the Huskies. God, isn't that great Dez is doing it, the Michigan guy? That is wild. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, other side of the ball, Washington's runs defense has uh, numbers-wise below not good against the run, but I like their front seven personnel. They have two legit NFL players on the edge. Some meet in the middle, and their linebackers are really good. If they can get J.J. McCarthy to throw a few bad balls and actually capitalize on them like Alabama failed to do so, 
and turn the football over. I like their chances, and these guys could be joining the Billy Joe Hobart, Bino Bryant, Napoleon Kaufman, and the great Steve Entman and the boys of 1991 by beating Michigan and getting that strap. I'm going Huskies plus five. I love the reset, the throwback. Steve Entman, Billy Joe Hobart. That is right? so good. Brunel was a backup, I think. Yeah, let me ask you something before I give you my thoughts. Do you think they, they can beat them straight up? Yeah, I do. I do. The numbers are so confusing because of who Michigan played throughout the regular season, and the Big Ten wasn't as strong as everybody says it was, and Alabama is not Georgia, so I think Washington can. Having said that, Washington only played really one good uh, pass defense in Oregon this year, so maybe their numbers are fake, but I, I think they can do it, yeah. All right, so tell me, the number is five, right? Five, yep. All right, so my feeling is Michigan's favored, and for a reason, for a few actually, so it wouldn't surprise me if they won that game. That said, one quick thing, a quick memo for you Wolverine fans. If you do finish off this unbeaten season, do not be surprised and do not be butthurt when folks hang an asterisk on it and call the win tainted because they will, they will, and they should. Not only is Jim Harbaugh thinking, he's thinking that – that he coaches, quote, America's team, and that people everywhere want them to win is absurd. Absurd. In fact, it's actually the opposite of that, right? There are lots of folks who think that Michigan even being allowed to play in this game is what's absurd. The guy was suspended twice this season, once by his own team, once by his conference, and the only reason they're even allowed to play right now is because the NCAA is still investigating them for that cheating mm-hmm. scandal. And knowing how long head the NCAA takes with these things, it could take years. So here they are. Here the bleep they are. Having said all that, we if we're going to look at the matchup, because they are here, they're good, they're physical, mm-hmm. they're motivated because for some reason they think that they've been done wrong and they were the ones caught cheating. Mm-hmm. It's be and team. to your point, you know they're going to look to ground and pound and wear Washington down. And more importantly, keep the ball away from Michael Penix because they have not seen an offense like that all year long. As for Washington, I love just about everything about them except for the fact that they can be gouged on the ground. I know you like their seven, their front seven, but mm-hmm. they were allowing 4.6 a clip against Texas. Yes. And that mm-hmm. – that, or 6.4, 6.4, I should 4. say. Yep. 6.4, which is a lot worse than 4.6. That's a major concern of mine. But I like the way they're playing. I like that they're playing with a giant chip on their shoulder. And I like that the attitude they're coming in with. I'll tell you what. I'm going to take those points. I like yes. them. Yes. I like them a lot. And I like the points. And I hit them last week. In fact, I liked it enough that I did it last week. I'm going to take the Huskies plus five. Hell yes. Can they beat him straight up? I don't know about that. Maybe, but we're on the same page. Are there any prop bets? Have you seen anything? I'm looking for a Jalen McMillan one right now, but I haven't located it yet. But the thought is um, receptions for Jalen McMillan because Michigan's pass defense ranks second in the nation. Will Johnson is a freaking star for Michigan. I love him. He's going to be a high draft pick when he goes out. He'll probably go over Rome uh, Odunze. So I'm looking for Jalen McMillan somewhere out there. He's played five games this year. Um, three of the games he led the team in receptions, and the other two he had the second most catches. So my thought process is Jalen McMillan over his catch number. You, know, you mentioned Odunzi. How about their wide receivers? They're incredible, man. They're so uh, explosive. Washington, so ex- Michigan has not seen anything like that. No, and Ohio State could uh, match them maybe in talent-wise, but Kyle McCord v. Penix, big difference. These guys will get the football on time. Can't wait. Can't wait. All right, Head, you and I are on the same page. Let's find out. Appreciate your pick. Thanks, Jim. All right, see ya. 
Good night now.